Hey, welcome to another episode of Talk of Mindset with Murph. This is part two of a three-part conversation with Pro Football Hall of Famer Derek Brooks. It's funny, most people think of you, of our, our whole first part of this conversation is about accomplishments and national championship and Super Bowls and Pro Bowls and leading on the field, leading off the field. I want to talk about leading off field because you and I met, <laughs> yes. had nothing to do with it. You know, people are going to, oh, here's Murph talking about a Florida State guy again, right? But it's actually you and I met over community. Really? Yes, we did. And our interest in youth mm-hmm. and our belief that you fix the kids, you help the kids, you save the world. And, yes. uh, and I... You have been a leader for me, watching everything you've done with your school, with mm-hmm. your foundation. Uh, you do things that most people have no idea that you're involved in, <laughs> right down to the Department of Justice <laughs> yes. contacts Derek Brooks when they have a youth that can be yes. helped. And you know, I want to hear because that's the leadership that you showed me, mm-hmm. and, and I think you know we had an opportunity to work on something uh, last year during yes. all the turmoil. Mm-hmm. Up in Florida State, coaches and players are having a hard time, and yes, um, and I it meant so much to me. The, I, when I read that article, I said, "There's two phone calls I need to make." You were the first phone call, and Tony <laughs> mm-hmm. Benedetto. I said, "I think I think we can," and that, that's that, and that's then, how so we that started. Was, and you know, I and I've been watching you in this community, and really modeled so much of what ReliQuest does around impacting globally, helping mm-hmm. kids learn cybersecurity, helping kids see possible yes and and you've been in that business now almost as long as you've been in the football and i think you'll have a bigger impact there in your life than you ever did on the field no offense I, oh you, you you're gotta be careful right. saying that across from a hall of fame linebacker no, i can't you're absolutely I, I know right. i can't outrun you so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but i, w- I want to hear about that because you know how do you bring that same focus and and into to mm-hmm. what you're doing today well thank you uh brian for uh, really mentioning uh, Dare Brooks Charities. That's, you know, uh, really my my heartbeat. And you said it right. The impact that my foundation with me being a leader has on the community will far outweigh anything that happens on a football field because you're, you're in a position in doing that to establish generational change not just the score on the scoreboard, but the impacting of lives. And the foundation of that really started uh, for me through Coach Bowden in the way that he always just told us to have our priorities in line. And for me, it was the three Fs. The only time he said I have a passing grade in life, it was three Fs. is <laughs> faith, family, football, and everything else. And that's how I continue to align and if you uh, guys just bear me for a minute here to go back in, in 1996 when Coach Tony Dungy got here. Coach Dungy's first meeting uh, with our team was nothing about winning and losing a football game. And he talked about the community impact and how we was going to change the Tampa Bay culture through how we approach and attack the community how we game plan the community and make a difference. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking in my mind, what in the world is he talking about? Do we understand that we have had double-digit losses the last 10 years? So I'm thinking all football, like I've only lost four games in four years and I lost nine last year and this guy's talking about what is 
who who is he again? <laughs> so I was so bothered, but as I was saying that, it was registering to me what he talked about. So we go out to practice, and I'm just sitting here thinking about everything he said while we were practicing. So we go, I said, I got to go talk to Coach Dungey because I'm just not settled here. I'm not used to losing. This, You know, we got a good core here. I mean, he's sad we didn't come here to lose. He's not, it's kind of like you're talking about winning one game. So I go in out to practice and go in his office. I say, Coach, can I talk to you? And he said, Absolutely. He said, Derek, I watched you in practice and you, you wasn't quite yourself. I say, First of all, you only seen me practice once. <laughs> so he said, I said, Coach, you only saw me. He said, No, nah, I, I can tell. I figured we was going to be having this conversation. I said, all right, coach. He said, I said, you never talked about winning a game, man. We've lost 10 games or more last. He said, I know. He said, but that's not going to make us a championship team. He said, I said, okay, explain this, explain this community thing to me because I think I understand what you're saying. It just kept bothering me. So if something's bothering me, I'm getting it, but I'm not getting it. He said, Derek, it's simple. We're going to win our fair share of games right here. Football is going to take care of itself. We have a talented team here, and it's going to be built around this defense. You, Warren, John, yeah. You remind me of back in the Chuck Nolan and the Steelers. He said, but that's, he said, that's very minimal in this conversation. He said, what I'm talking about is we're going to be in a position to win when no one loses. And that's how we build this community back up to trust this team. We're going to impact this team. We're going to use the game of football to do it by impacting this community. I said, wow. I said, I get it, coach. I get it. He said, in that way, Derek, every time someone shows up on Sunday, they're winning. We're winning. It has nothing to do with the score. We're talking about changing lives. And God put me in this position to lead this team whose reputation of losing from the colors of the uniform down, we're going to change that. And I said, Coach, I got it. I will be on the front end of leading to do this. So I understood going in that football under Coach Dungey's leadership, and I thank him to have a personal relationship I have with him now, to use football just as a stage to stand on. And I say my talent was definitely playing the game of football. But God gave me this gift of giving, and that's through my passion of education. And that's how everything ties together through me is through youth education and creating that hope. So I took that conversation and fast-forwarded to start my own programs. My foundation actually started by giving two kids tickets to a game that same year. Two kids showed up to a stadium, and I just see them. I'm coming out of the parking lot. It's not the big, shiny stadium everyone sees now. <laughs> you know, just old son, brother, that wasn't no security watching the cars. So I'm walking up to the stadium because anybody can walk up to the stadium then. And I just see two kids loitering around, and I just ask them, hey, guys, what are you doing? They said, ah, oh, we just want to meet some football players going to the game. I said, you do? I said, have you ever been inside that stadium? It's like, no, we, we – I said, you want to meet some guys? I said, there's some players right there going in. He said, oh, who is that? Who is that? So I tell him the names. He said, how do you, how do you know these guys? <laughs> I say, because I'm on the team too. And they really, what's your name? So I tell him my name. 
kids didn't know me from Adam. <laughs> so I said, you know what, guys? I got. Let's do this. Let's make a deal. I'll give you guys two tickets to go in this game and enjoy. And you do me a favor. You see that white truck there? You just make sure nobody touches that truck if we lose this game, okay? <laughs> you be my security guards. <laughs> so I go in. I get the guys, you know, two tickets to the game. You, you know, get them some beverages. And, man, they, they you talk about two guys up holding the end of the bargain. So they're standing by my truck. <laughs> and my poor brother. Who came to the game oh, no. with me? He said, trying to tell these kids to move and they won't let him in the truck. <laughs> oh my God. So I come out and I tell my brother Anthony, hey man, they fine. They watching my truck. So I start talking to him and I said, where do you guys, where you guys live? And they say, we live right down Martin Luther King. Just go down there and go down. We from College Hills. And I had no idea what College Hills was. I said, I tell you what, we play here next week. Won't you bright some of your some of your other friends and y'all come to the game and I'll give you guys tickets and hopefully you guys can help us win and I said, by the way, you can kinda of watch all these cars if you got enough friends to make sure nothing happens to our <laughs> yeah, teammate yeah. cars. So guys, be careful what you ask for, a true story. I show up next week, I get a call from our security guard. And they say, Derek, it's about a hundred or two hundred some people here. <laughs> they bombarding us saying you said you was gonna get them tickets. And I said, Andre, I'm on my way there. But yes, <laughs> I'm on my way. So I show up, and it is literally about over 100 people there waiting to go in the game. And, again, back then we had 100 seats available. <laughs> so tickets was not a problem. So I get all to go up in the stadium and come back out. And I said, guys, where? they said, we're from College Hill. So the Boys and Girls Club, we have a Boys and Girls Club down there. So I said, okay, I'm going to come down there and see you guys. So that Tuesday, my off day, I went to the Boys and Girls Club. And, guys, I was not prepared to go into this neighborhood. It was crime street. It was a really, really bad area of Tampa. But it has a Boys and Girls Club right in the middle of it. And I walk in, and I see these kids, and I just sat down and started talking to them. Like, where are you guys from? What are you doing? I, I said, I know this, you know this type of neighborhood I've seen before. And they started telling me about it. And I said, man, there's just got to be some hope here. For these kids, they enjoy going to the game, a first-time experience. And, you know, I talked to the club director, and I said, hey, we only got one more game left, but if you can just reward some kids for doing something, I don't care if they show up on time, just create something where they could just earn a way to come to a game. And I sponsor you guys to come to the game. And that's how we started. So every week – we just create things for these kids to do. And I go there, man, every Monday and Tuesday for really, <laughs> you know, been going there now 25 years. Wow. But that's how it started. And I just started creating programs to create hope. And the signifying moment was the following year, we were playing Green Bay. And a young lady by the name of Natasha Spencer uh, came up to me and she asked me, How did I get, how did we drive back from Green Bay? She's like, I saw you guys on TV, and now you're here. How did you guys drive back so fast? And I was like, no, nah, we, we flew on a plane. Me not knowing, never, she never been on a plane. She said, a plane? I said, yeah, they fly over here all the time. I said, sometimes you can hear them. Just look up when you walk outside. And she said, Mr. Brooks, I'm not looking up when I walk outside. I'm looking straight ahead because I don't want to get shot. I was like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? And then it dawned on me, if it wasn't for football, that was the first time I ever been on a plane out of Pensacola, Florida, 
visiting Notre Dame. And I said, I'm going to create, again, hope. I said, you know what? I want to take you guys on your first plane ride. And we, again, be careful what I asked for. I learned from that. <laughs> so I just created, you know, just we like did a project for kids to earn the right to to go down to Fort Lauderdale. So we flew down to Fort Lauderdale. I took about 25 kids, went to an amusement park down there, did some shopping, came back just to create that experience of being on a plane. And they came up to me after that. A couple of them said it was the best day of their life because they didn't have to worry about dying. And guys, I tell you, I told, I went back to Coach Dungeon. I said, Coach, I'm. I said, I got to find a way to show them walls outside of that neighborhood. So he said, just keep doing what you're doing. And I started creating educational trips from that moment on. It was they would study an area, and we would go see it. So these kids could see, feel, and touch what they were studying. And I kind of used the educational system. I had teachers. I recruited teachers to come teach the classes. So the after that first trip, then I studied, you know, a big leader that I studied was Dr. Martin Luther King. So I said, I want these kids to learn about someone who's influenced me. So they studied Dr. Martin Luther King, and we did a weekend trip to Atlanta. They earned their way just like a college course. And the next year we went to Washington, D.C., because I wanted them to understand what order and what government and what laws look like in building that relationship. And through that program, I met our – Department of Juvenile Justice leaders because I wanted them to understand, hey, from a country, this is how the executive legislation judicial branch tie together, all the way back down to the state of Florida, to our city government. That's why we have law and order. So we started at Washington, went to Tallahassee, then we came back to Tampa, and they just got a new appreciation for what police look like, what order looked like. And we just built on that. Then the next one, uh, we went to South Africa. Wow. <laughs> so That's we met. serious plane Yes, flight. They, man, it they was. They not like the plane so much oh, after that man, flight. <laughs> it was. And by then, you know, kids now four or five years into our program. And and I did. I took Coach Dungey on that trip. I was smart. I say, if something happened, I'm not back for training camp. They can't start without Coach Dungey. <laughs> yeah. So Coach Dungey and his wife, they uh, went to South Africa for the first time and Again, just fast forward, so we got from there to now kids are in high school. So I wanted to show them, hey, we're all from the state of Florida. i am never left the state of Florida for anything, but let's see how the West was settled. So we studied Cowboys and Indians, how the West was settled. So now they had to get appreciation for how different life on the West Coast is than the East Coast. It's not just the time zone. And now it's college time. So now these kids started to believe in college which they never thought about that five years ago. So we did a college tour around the country. It wasn't just the state of Florida. So we did the School of Juilliard in Chicago. We did the Performance Arts Center in New York. Uh, we did, obviously, Florida State for sure. Well, we did historical black universities there. We did Loyola Religious University. So now they started to see and touch and feel. And we did uh, – we went to – uh, the uh, the, brand, the military branches. So I had them come in and speak while we were at, at a school. So these kids had a chance to see, touch, and feel life outside these walls. And to Brian's point, those are the things that keep me passionate. And after our last trip to South Africa in 2006, 
Uh, I came back off of that trip and, and started my own charter high school, Mr. DeBartolo. Uh, one of the teachers at the time was Dr. Fielder Swagger, and she came up um, somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> and she said, she said, Derek, you thought about starting a school. I said, Phil, you asked me that, and, and we're flying over the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> She's like, yes, you're already doing it. You just don't have a building. I was like, um, no, I haven't. And she said, yes, all these buildings. She said, Eckert's, they just shut down all their, you know, drugstore buildings, so you got buildings available. And I'm like, hmm, she has a point. So I said, I got, I need some serious prayer on this one. So I got back, and it's one of those things that just kept sticking with me about starting my own school. And Mr. DeBarlow had just happened – they just happened to move their operations here to Tampa. And he he and his friend was looking for community impact. And I did some research and found out where they supported charter high schools in San Francisco. So through his uh, ex-son-in-law, we set up a meeting with uh, his daughters, and I just shared my vision about, hey, I want to start a charter high school. It's not, it's not one here in Tampa, public charter high school. And they were like, no. I said, no. So, again, they like to be the first (laughs) of a lot of things. So, it ended up being a perfect partnership. And and that's now kind of our staple. Our Brooks DeBarlow Collegiate High School now going on 12 years. And Derrick Brooks Charities. And that is really the vehicles that I know I spent a lot of time talking about. But that's my passion. Those are the vehicles that, you know, I've been serving since 1996, and to Brian's point, uh, when it was time to quote unquote retire, I never looked at it as retirement. For me, it was just transition yeah. and transitioning to doing things that I'm already uh, passionate about doing made that transition uh, easier for me. That was incredible. Like, thanks for sharing <laughs> yeah, your passion amazing. on that. I mean, it's really um, fascinating. It makes you reflect on. Like, what am I doing, right? And, yeah. and so, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what it definitely makes you feel like. Hey, thanks for tuning in to part two of this three-part conversation with Pro Football Hall of Famer Derek Brooks. Be sure to tune in next week as we wrap up this inspiring conversation.